This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Make sure everything was recording. Yeah, I got this laptop I've had for a few months. Ooh, and, new laptop. Yeah, yeah. And then about a week ago, it did a Windows update. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm one of. The, uh, it's time for me to finally give up on Windows and get Linux. And I know everybody says you don't have as much software options, and maybe not, but <laughs> so afterwards. My touchpad and two uh, two of my three USB ports stopped working, and I was able to redo, reattach, re fix whatever problem was causing the touchpad. Mm-hmm. But the two USB ports I can't get to work, and it's not that they're not getting power or disconnected because I can put in a USB drive. And it recognizes it. I can copy data over to the drive. I can pull data off of the drive. But it doesn't recognize any of my peripherals, like a mouse, a USB mouse, or headset, or any of that. Is that that always a 2.0 versus 3.0 USB, which I can't figure out what the difference is? uh, Well, they are... All of these ports are 3.0, being a... But it's supposed to, you know, 2.0 devices are supposed to work in a 3.0. And I've been able to use these ports before. So I don't know. I've tried. I've done all kinds of research. I found about a dozen articles on on what it might be. And I've tried every one of them and they're not working. So I don't know what Mm. I'm going to do yet. Well, don't they make... Some stuff to work in Linux and Windows and everything. Oh yeah, there's plenty of crossover stuff. I just um, never have taken the time to do Linux, and I and I read research on about it. And of course, Martin says that it's not a big deal, but I don't know. I've also read some things that writing some articles that say that converting over to Linux is not quite as straightforward as you might think. So. Yeah, well, you know, I guess it all depends on what you're doing. If you're just like surfing the web and stuff, then you can use Linux pretty easily. And doesn't isn't there like the Libra suite, which has a word processor and spreadsheet? You know, your like your Office. Yeah, which I have used in the past, and I like it. It's a very good Office suite. It's comparable. Yeah. To, it's comparable I've, to MS Office. Sorry. Yeah, I've tried using the Google stuff, but. I don't know. Being on the cloud, this doesn't quite work the same for me. I don't know. This doesn't. I don't get the same. Fe- I don't know. Browser-based stuff, I still haven't gotten quite used to. Well, some of it I have. I mean, it's like as far as being on the cloud, like I store everything now on Dropbox. I don't put any, especially anything important. I don't put it on my hard drive. 
put it out on Dropbox because I know it's backed up and secure and or as secure as anything gets. <clears throat> well, true. But so I don't know what I'm going to do. This, I mean, it's still under warranty. I can send the thing back, but it's just a pain in the neck mm-hmm. to have to send it back and have a six, eight week turnaround before you get. And if I was convinced that it was hardware related, I wouldn't mind doing that. But I just think it's some damn something that the Windows update screwed up the registry, some setting in the registry that I can't find how to reset. So. Yeah, but for USB, you know, I want to think I did remember reading something about that a while back. But I can't specifically remember what it was. Oh, my big issue has been having stuff work right. And I got an old vert. I got an old, uh, X, X, uh, 2010 access database driver running and right. apparently so and ever since like the new updates that's not compatible so it screws up a bunch of stuff if you still got access 2010 running around somewhere and then I'm like why the hell is access 2010 on everything but it's like on every like my work computer my home computer and everything and I'm like how the hell did that happen must have been something with uh, oh NetSuite or what's that what's that development suite Microsoft puts out that you gotta have to do stuff sometimes. I don't know the name of it. You're talking about Office 360? No, 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 no. Developer. Developer, oh, developer. level stuff. Uh, oh, it's I like dot net. It's like dot net or something. Okay. But you know, I I do a bunch of stuff trying to get things like I've been like the past couple of weeks I've been working on trying to get uh an OD ODB ODBC connection to our my works Oracle database directly into R. So I've been working with tech support on that. I've got that pretty much working, but I got to figure out something now to do with it. Right. So, but again, that's where the access database driver 2010 messes up everything. (laughs) I don't know why you would have access 2010 on everything. Well, yeah, but you go in there, and I went to look, and it's like, and then I have Access 2011, Access 2012, Access 2013. There's like seven or eight of these, and there was I went on one computer, and it had like from 2005, but it had all the others. So it's like it keeps installing this stuff, and it doesn't get rid of the old ones, which um, which probably takes up a lot of memory. Which reminds me, I keep getting these warnings that I've used up ten, I've got like a one terabyte drive, and I've only got ten percent left, and so I got to figure out what's taking up a lot of my drive space. Yes, if you're using ninety percent of a terabyte, that's I can't even imagine what that would be. Well, I do have the entire census database on there, so that could do it. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I was gonna say maybe you have the unabridged Oxford English Dictionary on there, which has about seven hundred fifty thousand words. So. Ooh, I also have two years worth of uh, multiple photos outside my. Uh, Outside my house when I was doing my traffic study. Okay. Oh, I didn't ever tell you about that. How I set up no. the Raspberry. I set up the Raspberry Pi to take. You know, it was detecting movement, and I was calculating the direction and speed of cars outside in front of the house because I was pissed off at some neighbors. Okay. Oh, so you want to go into that long story? Okay. Yes. So, anyway, because now that I have been to your house, I can visualize this now on the street and everything. Okay, so you got so you you, you see how I don't count a block as an individual street, right? Because, you know, there's two blocks to between our two major fair, you know, two major, well, my street's east-west, all right? And there's two blocks before you encounter the north-south 
major intersections on either side of it. So I consider our street to be two blocks because it dead ends at the one end, it dead ends at the park, and the other it it drops off into a, a major thing. So anyway, so we got some parents at the other end at the other block who like to sit on their front porch drinking wine while their kids play in the street, and then they get yell at you and mad get mad at you when you have to come to a halt and stop because their kids are in the street and they've kicked a ball in the street or something like that. So they sent their kids around to the neighbors there and go, we're doing a school project and we don't feel safe. And we, you know, so would you sign this thing saying that it would be better if our street was one way? And so everybody thinking it, all the parent, you know, if you get a kid that comes up and said they're working on a school project, yeah, you're going to sign it. Well, they actually turn it into a petition, which they then turn into the city to make their street one way. So, Half the street's one way, and our half of the street is do is going two ways, right? And, yeah, and, you know, so, you know, they're all on next door all bragging about, oh, we've got traffic down on our street, it's so great, and everything like that. And we're like, well, if you, if you wanted to traffic like in the country, go run, move to the country. Anyway, because it's a hassle now to get, it, it's a lot harder to get to our street now than it used to be because of that one-way street. Yeah. So, anyway. So they're sitting there going on all about this, and I'm like, they're going, well, you know everybody's going to blow through the stop signs there because they know there's not going to be anything coming from that direction, so the stop sign is going to be totally ineffective. Plus, knowing nothing's going to be coming, you're going to speed down that street to get to the, you know, to get there, right? So one-way streets that I do show in studies do have uh, the traffic speeds higher than two-way streets, especially on like ours in a residential where it's like you – you know, you've got to slow down when there's another car coming. But if you know there's nothing coming, you're just going to scoot on down, right? So I was doing this study to kind of show it's like, well, you know what? The cars are going faster heading in that direction in front of my house, which is two-way, because if you don't see anything coming, you just zip on down there, blow through the stop sign, and you, and you get onto the one-way part. So I did a year's worth, set up my Raspberry Pi, set everything up, wrote the programs and all that, and got it to – you know, I could get the direction and I could get the speeds and everything. The only thing it didn't do is you couldn't do it at night because I didn't want to set up the infrared light source and all that other stuff, blah, blah, blah. So I just did it during the day. So anyway, I did that, you know, you know, statistically proved it and everything. But that was more to my own satisfaction because in the end it really doesn't say uh, change anything. So, hey, there you go. But yeah, I got like a year's worth of daily, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 photographs a day or pictures a day of traffic. So there's that on there taking up space. Interesting. So that was really just kind of a high-tech, get-off-my-lawn project. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. Because I threw it on there, and it's like, yeah, y'all really didn't solve anything. The only thing the only thing y'all did was just make it a one-way street because you think that's going to be better, so you don't have to pay attention to your kids as you drink your wine on your front porch and they play in the street. Right. Which is basically all it is. Yes, I understand. And, and you got to understand, too, it's about – Three families that have got these three house, you know, they're like sisters or cousins, and they got three houses in a row. So, and they can't play in their backyard because I think that they the dogs, they let the dogs go in the backyard. They don't clean it up, so the kids can't play in the backyard. So they all got to play in the front yard. Interesting. Ah, uh, yes. So there's all kinds of crap on their sidewalk and stuff out there. So, and then my wife thinks one of them's a cop, so that's why the city got to do it, and that's why if anybody complains, nothing's going to get done. But right. I really don't. I really don't think it works that way. Maybe but not. But I'd like to think it. I don't think a cop has that much pull. Let me just say that. <laughs> I would depend on the cop, I guess. Yeah, probably. Mm, maybe I don't know. So yeah, it was a, it was just a basically get off my lawn project, but I stirred up enough stuff and everything. Because you, you do anything with next door? 
Right. Yeah. If, yeah. If you think Facebook's, well, Facebook's toxic, but then you get this, any, you know, I, it's just amazing seeing any social app network or anything. Just, it doesn't take long for it to just get corrupted. So like next door, eh, maybe it's a good idea to connect your neighbors, but then you find out, you know what neighbors do? They just like to bitch about each other <laughs> and, com- yes. and complain and, Everybody, and if they see somebody walking down the sidewalk that they don't recognize, they're suspicious. I know, I understand. It's just, it's just amazing. And every once in a while, I'll just, I like, I'll pull the pin and roll out a grenade on next door and just sit back and watch what happens. And it's so predictable who does what and who says what. That's always fun. That's interesting (laughs) because right now, even as we speak, as this moment, as we were recording, the annual meeting of my HOA is going on, which I haven't been to in years. <laughs> I haven't, you know. So let me just say, you don't care for HOAs? No, not at all. That's that's going to be the primary driver for our next house. Is no HOAs. I'm just, I'm tired of them. I didn't because like you got it. you got the people that don't have anything better to do than to spy on their neighbors and complain, right? And hey, I did my duty. I was actually on the board on that thing for a couple of years. I was president for a year. And Ooh, you couldn't make you couldn't drive changes. Uh, no, I mean it. It's not as bad as it could be. Our our particular HOA is not as draconian in its regulations as some of them are. But yeah, it's just it's trying to get anything done, and then <laughs> all people want to do is complain. And to find out that nobody really has any complaints about their neighbors until they're ready to sell their house. And then they start writing in, so-and-so at, at 574 has not got their yard cut correctly. And it's like, okay, you, they haven't done that for a year. Now you've got a for sale sign out in front of your house. Now you're complaining about the neighbors. Yeah. It's just, you know, uh, got no time for it. No, well, you know, it's just people that just, you know, they don't have anything better to do. It's like I'm, I decided I wanted to get more involved outside of work and stuff and everything. So I actually got onto the board of my local alumni chapter here. And so I ended up getting, ended up getting president elect because they need new blood. And it's like, all right, I'll do this and everything like that. But it's like everybody else that's, you know, all the other board members or most of the other board members are the people that's previously done this and I'm supposed to be learning from. Like they're class of like 67, class of 68. <laughs> so <laughs> they're, so they're all retired. So I get all this stuff like during the day, Hey, we need to do this. We need to meet on this. We need to do that. And I'm like, yeah, you've got all this time because you're retired. <laughs> I'm working and I got stuff. I, <laughs> yes i know so, so i can't work not not that there's anything wrong against that it's just they've been out of the the work life for so long they just you know they don't realize that it's just i don't have all day to work on like you know board stuff or just up at you know whenever i want to i can just send out an email and to the board and all this other thing so i don't know it's 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 good but it's it's, it's interesting kind of watching that dynamic yes and then you have to organize those watching parties. Oh, well, you know, that's not too hard once you get a place. It's just I, what I forget to do is I'm supposed to send out the email reminder. So I have to send out the email reminder on like Wednesdays or Thursdays, which kind of skip my skip my mind. And it's not like I can just send out automate it and just send something out. I got to write something creative that's, you know, commenting about the last week's game and this upcoming game to gain interest and such. So <laughs> fun. 
So, but no, no, I need to start doing more, you know, philanthropic. Ah, that's not the right word. Philanthropic stuff. As opposed to just, yeah, instead of just work and play. So, well, that's good. And everything like that, but so. (sighs) So, what else has been going on? Oh, gosh. Was ill last week. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was like, you want a podcast? No, I can't talk. Yes. Well, I could talk, but I would be coughing about every third breath. So I figured nobody wants to hear that. Yep. I had that one time, I think when I was like 16, 17. And then, yeah, it was, that's like one of the sickest I've ever been. (laughs) Anyway, I got, I ended up some sort of mild respiratory viral infection, but it ran its course. But anyway. But other than that, I mean, nothing's going on. Other than... Other than... We are changing the format of this podcast. Have we already changed it? Uh, we are, as of effective right now, we are changing. Yes. All right, I'll have to make note of that. <laughs> this will be the new format. <laughs> and would you care to describe that format for us? Okay, I will do my best. Try to be as succinct as possible, but... We've been doing this best of the rest for a little over two years now, believe it or not. <laughs> not every not every week, but yeah, I think there's two not years. Not every week, but you know, July of seventeen, two thousand seventeen is when we started. And of course we've been focusing on indie comics. But you and I decided fairly early on that we weren't didn't want to just talk about individual books. And yep. Not a review podcast. Not a review podcast. Well, even if you don't call it review, you, you can still say, you're, you know, you focus each time on one or two or three books. And we just didn't want to do that. Now, not doing that makes it somewhat challenging to keep coming up with topics that are indie comic related. True. And as time went on, it just started getting very repetitive. To I'll agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and we were of course defaulting on when we we did have something to talk about well let's talk about previews plus as we've been recording over the last few months we've kind of started moving away a little bit from indie comics talking about other things like we did an episode on um pulps yep so and there are other podcasts out there some uh new one on our network on nerdy legion that focuses on indie comics too as well the um as well as wrestling, coming <laughs> indie wrestling and indie comics. So after quite a few discussions, you and I decided to just kind of expand the format of this show and make it about more than just indie comics. Mm-hmm. Kind of more like what just catches our fancy. Yeah, you know, we're but, you know but, yeah, but you know, we gotta have some, you gotta have some, you know, legit nerd cred in there, though. Yeah, we were. I mean, we. I'm not gonna plan on stop talking about comics, but. We're going to make it less focused on that because, I mean, really, the name of the podcast, Best of the Rest, an indie comics podcast, you feel pretty obligated to any potential listeners to talk about what you say you're going to talk about. And it was just becoming, like I say, we think we both felt it was repetitive. I think both of us were not having as much enjoyment out of doing it as we had at the beginning. So, like I say, I think the. The new logo I came up with says comics, culture, and geekdom. So 
a broad spectrum of what we want to talk about. So yeah, one week we may talk about comics. The next weekend we next week we may talk about I don't know something we read and a physics paper or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. Whatever catches our fancy. Right. But you know, I still think it's going to be comic themed as I sit in my office surrounded by comics. Well, yes, I fully well intended to be. I just didn't want it to be strictly where we say all all we're talking about is indie comics. And then if we don't have any particular thing to talk about regarding that, then okay, we'll talk about something else. And yes, uh, Nick Wetmore on Twitter messaged me when I put out the teaser of that new logo and says, well, I hope you guys still talk about pulps and comic book history and origin of certain terms in comic books. And I said, yeah, I'm sure we, we will. I don't see any reason not to continue to do that. So no, no, it's all going to be there. It's just expanding. Yes. Which I guess that means we need to talk more often. Probably. Yeah. Then we have been. Well, uh, Life's just kind of like been there this past like six months. Woo! I know. Been... You've been really busy and I've had stuff. You know, my mother was in the hospital for most of three months with a related to a broken hip. So, yeah, the late spring and summer were not good <laughs> as far as time to do things like this. Ah, well, so moving forward should be better. Yes, should be. All right, so what do we want to get into? What's got our interest lately? Ooh, you know what? That what I haven't talked about, or what we talked about last time, that we haven't given everybody a listening update on, but I think I showed you when you were here. But you came through here for uh, the, the Baron wedding. Yes, I did. So, but anyway, so after our talk the last time, that listeners have gone there, I went out and bought my first Pulps. Nice. Yeah, and... You know, I said I was going to start with some Asimov stuff, so I ended up going online and getting a four-book lot of astounding science fiction. Because one of them was had the uh, had a cover. Well, it's one of the foundation, one of the Asimov's foundation stories are printed in it. So, and it's the and it's on it's the cover for it, and it's the title, and it's the big and the little, which is. Um, I'm trying to think of where that was. I think it's the fourth chapter or section. See, I don't know how to divvy this up because um, everybody kind of knows the Foundation series as being a trilogy. But again, it was originally published in Astounding. And each of the three books is divided up into sections. And the sections have multiple chapters. But each section is always published in Astounding. And I think this is the fourth section, but I think it's the first part of the second book in the trilogy that got published when it got published in book form. So the Empire is still there, but it's the last great general of the Empire. So anyway, I got to go back and reread that. It. It's been a few years since I've read Foundation, so I really need to do that. And the other three books, let's see, this is August of 1944. The others are uh, March of 44, July of 44, and January of 44. So there's three books from nine or four books from 1944. So, but you know what? I kind of love this era of science fiction. So you know what I should probably do? I should just read the stories. <laughs> yes. In there also, just like back in the day. So, 
Yep. And so then my other book, so I didn't, that was one lot. And the other lot I got is, and you know what? And here's the other thing too, I found out talking to my LCS owner. So I thought all these books were like in these digest forms. So I'm looking here at these pulps and these pulps are, let me break out my tape measure, are like seven and three quarters by five and a half inches. So, you know, they're like digest, but some of them, they were magazine size. So he was telling me, yeah, they start out magazine size and they went down to these digest size to save paper. And then they got bigger. Some of them got bigger again and they all came back down and then they eventually died out. So all the ones I've got are these digest size. But the, the next one I got, which is a single lot, was the Avon Fantasy Reader number seven. Um, and I got it just because of the cover. It's got a good girl art cover. It's just it's a painted cover. Uh, the colors are nice and bright. Um, I mean, it just pops as a, you know, if I'm comparing it to a comic thing. The only thing I got an issue with it is, is it looks like the staples are rusted. But, you know, I've got a couple of comics where the, it's they're rusted. And I talked to some guys that do pressing and all that. And they told me it's like you got to leave them in because if you even if you try to clean the rust off, it's considered um, restoration. So. But there's nothing you can do. You know, I, I don't mind as much if there was just a way to prevent the rusting from spreading to the paper. But I don't know. It doesn't seem to be a way to do that. No, that's, that's not going to affect the value or potential value. So but then the other reason I got this one reader is because uh, I was looking at the stories in it and it has a Robert E. Howard story in it. The Cairn on the Headland. And I think that was the only one I... I noticed on there the authors I knew, but, you know, I just, you know, I just, I just think any of the books with the, the authors like that are worth, and this is probably a re, reprint because I still, because I think uh, I also found out that even though a lot of the authors at the time, Robert E. Howard, uh, L. Ron Hubbard, um, crap, I can't think of some of the others, um, Lovecraft and all them. You know, even, you know, they got, the, they, these are where they did their first published works. You know, some magazines or the same magazine would reprint them years or decades later. So just because you see it there doesn't mean it's the first time it was printed in one of these pulps. But, but anyway, um, I do notice, like my astounding, they're very foxed. So the paper is very, see, I'm, and I'm trying to apply comic book standards to this. So I'm looking at it and all the pages are really, tan but you know what i don't know if that's what they originally were or not i don't know if they would ever have been white or cream like you kind of see on some of the comic book distributions but the edges are very fox very brown some of them do feel like they're getting a little bit brittle um but what's interesting about the astounding is the photos in the center so it's like i mean i've got this one and you know it's science so um I don't know. It's like they've got some pictures here from GE, some like an ENIAC, and you know some other things. And here's a section on refraction and lenses. So I guess they actually, I don't know, tried wow. to teach some, tried to tried to teach some science in these also, and expose kids or other readers. I mean, here's one. I mean, it's going through actual refraction and explaining prisms and lenses, and it's got the equations in there, refractive index and everything. So, you know, you could learn something while you were reading the pulps. Nice. I know you had, you showed me a couple when I was up there. Have you gotten some additional since those 
came out? No, no. I've okay. kind of gotten back and fallen into my DC horror. So I got a bunch of DC horror and Charlton. Carl, is it Charlton or Carlton? Carlton. Carlton. I've got a bunch. Yep. So I got a bunch of that from, I got some of those from the early, I got on some lots I saw that were good deals. So I got some of those. So I got to go through those and pick the ones I want and move on the others. I mean, it's, I want all the DC stuff, the Carl, the Charlton, Carlton, God, the, Carl, <laughs> the Carlton ones I don't care so much about. Uh, so I think I know somebody that likes Carlton. So I'll see if they kind of want to take them, but. Let me see. I'm sitting here flipping through them. So all my Carlton I got here, I got Ghostly Haunts. And let's see. There's some DC. Oh, here's Modern Comics. The Mini Ghost of Dr. Graves. I never heard of Modern Comics. What is this? Interesting. From Mini Ghost of Dr. Graves, number 23. From what year is this? 1978. And it was originally presented in a mini ghost of Dr. Graves number. What the? Okay, that makes nine, eight, nine, something from 1970. Huh. It's a reprint. It's actual. it's issue 25 and it's a, actually a reprint of issue 25 from eight years previously. Okay. Wow, that was confusing. Right. <laughs> wow, the colors don't look too bad and everything. Who's the, who's the, who's the. Wow, I'm trying to find where the credits are for this. I cannot find an artist or a writer in this name anywhere. Even with a reprint. Huh. I guess they wanted to give no credit. No credit whatsoever. <laughs> wow. I can't believe that. And it's like, but Ronald Gold and Lawrence Steinberg are the co-publishers. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, but no credit to. Uh, yeah. Okay, I see in one of these uh, full panels where some, the artist put their name in there, but there are no credits for the uh, the writer or the artist. Interesting. Not completely unprecedented. I mean, certainly you go back to the early fifties, late forties. There were some a number of publications that didn't credit anybody. So. Yeah, but you know what? The art's actually a little bit better than Carlton. I would actually put this at the Dale level of art. Ah. And and the color. That's what I remind. So there's modern comics. I have a modern comics. The go mini ghost of Dr. Graves, and there's a modern comics Echoes of the Spirit World, Ghostly Haunts. Ooh, wow, that's an interesting cover. That's a bondage cover, if not. <laughs> from nineteen seventy eight. Again. Oh, and it looks like it's one of those that's got a a host. So she, like Elvira or the Crypt Keeper. So oh. there's somebody doing that. But actually, that is a that's a pretty good cover for, I mean, for, you know, there's horror comics where the people go for the covers, and this one's pretty. So they've got a bound and gagged woman in a tattered dress going through a sewer being pulled by these two-foot creatures which I don't know how to describe them but they have like enlarged heads and they look just like lumps of like large brains on a I don't know it's interesting and there is a there is an artist emblem down there FS so that's actually interesting 
Ah, then there's the House of Secrets. Oh, there's another Ghostly Haunts, number 37. Wow, this got more. And then there's a Carlton, another mini ghost of Dr. Graves. And then I get my DC, The Witching Hour. You know, I think I've decided, you know, I was going for the DC stuff, and I was thinking about doing House of Mystery. But I think I'm going to do The Witching Hour because there's just a – that just seems to have a lot better covers. So I think I'm going to try for a run of that. So there's several. That's why I got this lot because it had a bunch of Witching Hour in it. Oh, and then there's Baron Werewolf's Haunted Library, which is a bunch of skull. And then there's another Baron, Baron Werewolf's Haunted Library. And another one. Ooh, they're surfing, and it's a ghost surfing. Must be a ho- set in Hawaii. Nice. Oh. And then there's the mini ghost of Dr. Ooh, wait a second. Wait a second. I think I see something. So, remember how I was doing the modern comics? Yes. And it was the... Mini Ghost of Dr. Graves. Well, here's a here's a Charlton Mini Ghost of Dr. Graves. So I wonder if Charlton bought Modern Comics. Very possible. I don't know. Or is it the other way around? Because this is dated 1974. So Modern Comics are reprints of Carlton. Interesting. So, anywho's. So there's one stack of that, and I got another stack of about 50 or 60. So I got about a stack of 25 and a stack of 50. So actually, I got off the pulps in the back end of that. Plus, I had to find a replacement. So I got – I don't know if I told the story to the listeners, but – so I had a Conan number one that – maybe I did – that I sent to get slabbed and pressed and all that, and it came back restored. So it, it came back a 9.0 restored, but I didn't want a restored one. So I found another one online that's raw that was at a good price, so I – I bought that to get in and see what it looks like to see if I can use that. And then I'll figure out what I'm going to do with this Conan number one restored. And there was something else. But anyway, I made some purchases like that. Oh, yeah. And I also bought two copies of Turtle Mania that ended up in my LCS. Nice. Oh, and you laugh at So do you know what Turtle Mania is? No, I would not. Okay, so apparently, and so the Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think came out in 1984. I think it's 84. Yeah. So anyway, well, two years later, the owner of Metropolis Comics, which I think was New York in New York, I do believe, he commissioned. He asked them. He was wanting to do a special. Uh, I don't know, special release or or something, and he asked uh, Eastman and Laird for for some stuff or if he could do it. And they said, yeah, go ahead and do it. And they sent him a bunch of artwork and a lot of stuff more than what he was originally asked for. So he published, I don't know, it's on cardstock paper, you know, kind of self-published these. And there's like, um, I don't know, they're pinups and they kind of tell some stuff that's going to be coming out in the next few issues of TMNT, which I think was about eight or nine. And there's a centerfold in the center where it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with Cerebus the Aardvark and the Flaming Carrot and somebody else. And they're hiding behind some rocks as they're getting ready to pounce on some aliens that have landed or something like that. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a bunch of collection of stuff. But anyway, he printed these, right? And he did three editions. He did the white, which I found, which I got two copies of. There was 3,000 of them. And then he printed 100 silver, which were number and signed. And then there was 10 gold he did where there were sketches where Eastman did a sketch on five of the back of five of them and Lard did a sketches on the back five. 
All right. And there's actually one for sale on eBay right now of the gold versions of this. Right. All right. And so there's only 10 in existence. So you want to hazard a guess for what the current bid is for this? Uh, no, I, I couldn't even begin to know. Okay. Last time I looked, the bid was at $41,000. Jeez Louise. And apparently one had sold in the past, uh, not too distant past for 50, I think 58 items. So here it is. Oh, it ended. Huh, but they don't tell what the, so the starting bid was 13 grand. That's what the seller originally put up there as the starting bid was 13 grand. And apparently, I guess eBay is not letting you see what the final bid was. But I know when I was looking at it a day or two ago, it was up to about 41,500. But it has original sketches on the back. And this is a, this was a, a CGC graded 9.2. Nice. But there's only 10 of them. So I think that's why it goes for. So anyway, my LCS. He he bought a collection or something, and there was two of them there. I'd never seen the thing before, and uh, so he had them there. I asked him what he was wanting for. He hadn't priced it yet, so I, you know, he said call him back the next day if I wanted one. So I did some research. I called him. He said what the prices were. And I ended up just buying them both because <laughs> he was because he was going to a show in Memphis. So the show in Memphis was the same weekend as the Baltimore Comic Con. Is it? was that it? think so so and i didn't even know there was a show down in memphis and it looks like it was a, he said it was a great show lots of comic dealers and everything um and you know he saw a bunch of stuff he'd never seen before and everything so actually i might have to check out this memphis show next year i didn't even know they did one and they okay and they had chris chris claremont there wow. um oh, i forget who all but i'm like they he, they routed off like five people that were there that I would have thought would have rather have been in um, at Baltimore that weekend, but we're actually it's the uh, Memphis Comic and, uh, and Fantasy Convention. Interesting. So I mean, it's a decent drive for me to get down there, but um, you know, I just might go next year. Oh, actually, you know what? This isn't the right one because this is November fifteenth through seventeenth, so that's not it because this hasn't ha- happened yet. This is happening in a couple of weeks, and this was like a month ago. Uh, oh, maybe it's the Memphis Comic Expo. Wow, they have two of them within the span of like a couple of months? So, Oh, yeah, I know. Scott Snyder was there, and you could buy dinner with Scott Snyder. Ah, uh, yes. I limited, to, limited to 10 people, I think that was it. Wow. I wonder how much that went for. Uh, I don't know. I think it was straight up just 275 or something. But, you know, again, it was like the five-course meal and everything. Didn't you say you, there was a place near you that had it for uh, for Jim Shooter? Yeah, well, that was a small con a couple months ago. I had Shooter there. I mean, it was only $100 to have dinner with him, so that, apparently that's a bargain compared to... All right, so here was the featured guest, and this was... So Scott Snyder, Chris Claremont, David Finch, Peter David, Meredith Finch, Robbie Rodriguez, Rico Renzi, Mike McCone, Gene Ha. Scott Collins, Thomas Yates. Oh, Thomas Yates. Oh, yeah, my LCS owner went down there. And apparently, okay, if he's at C2E2, we got to go find Thomas Yates. Okay. All right. Because what he's currently doing now is he's illustrating the comic strips for Prince Valiant and Zorro. 
And he also did Universe uh, vs. X Beast and Universe X Cap. And he's done the Groove versus Conan covers. He worked on Tarzan, Superman, Swamp Thing, Warlord, and Airboy. He did a he did a full page commission for my LCS owner for a hundred bucks. And he did Deja Thoris from um, you know Warlord of Mars or the Mars things like that. And it looked beautiful. It looked old school, like like the pulp style. Like uh, who's the guy that did who, who's the guy that did the art for Rocketeer? Who's Rocketeer? Who's the Rocketeer? Oh gosh, nah. I can't think of his name. But he showed me this commission, and it looked oh, it was beautiful. And the way he was using shadows and negative space and everything, so it's like yeah, this Thomas Yeats guy, yeah, I gotta keep track of him because I need to get a commission for him from our like for for what it is. But anyway, so um, yeah, they had Guy Gilchrist, John Lucas. Uh, and a bunch of others. And is this a show down there in Memphis? And I'm like, well, crap. I may have to, like, go to this next year. That sounds pretty good. How far is Memphis from Dallas? I've made that drive. Um, I remember, but I can't remember. I can't remember how far it is. I don't know. It's, it's probably. It's all it's all Highway 40, isn't it? Does 40 I, go through Dallas? No. Not, oh, that's not, right. It goes through Oklahoma City. Yeah, not Interstate 20. I would take, I would take 30, which goes up. To start with, I would take 30, which goes up through Shreveport and then up towards Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how far a drive it would be. Anyway, I was looking at the guest list. Once he, so he didn't tell it to me. He's like, I came in Wednesday and he was leaving Friday to go down there. So I couldn't make plans to go. But, you know, after he told me about it and his good experiences there and. And then I looked at the guest list, and it was the same weekend as Baltimore. And I'm like, so these guys are going here instead of the Baltimore. Oh, okay. Maybe I have to check it out next year. But it's not the Comic and Fantasy Expo. It's just, um, oh, crap. What was it again? The Memphis Comic Expo. Huh. And was Dave Stevens the Rocketeer? That was it. Yep, 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 that's it. That's it. That's Rocketeer. Yeah, okay. Kind of reminded me of his style. But then again, it's like... I don't know. You just have to see this. This is a beautiful. It was a beautiful, and it was all ink. And you know, it was just the use of shadows and negative space right. that really made it. And it just wasn't one of those sketches where he drew lines and all that. There was like a couple of, you know, it was her, and it was this other, you know, like, um, riding beast or you know, or something like that. But the beast was all defined by the shadows. Not he didn't draw. He didn't outline it or draw it. It was all defined by the shadows and the negative space. And it was like, oh, that's just so awesome. Yep. So nice. Like, Heck yeah. So anyway, so yeah, that's he was going to carry those down there, um, but you know, I prevented those from making it to Memphis along with a copy of uh, what was it I bought? Uh, oh, Ghost. You know, like I said, Beware of Ghost issue number one in very great, in very good shape. So that's why. I, so I'm going to start getting. A, I think I'm going to try to get a run of DC's Ghost and then uh, first uh, issue of Swamp Thing. Nice. In really good shape at a really good price, though. So, yeah, I, you know, I was going to do the pulp stuff, but damn it, I keep getting into these comics. <laughs> and it's like and it's like 70s, early 70s comics at that. Well, you got to go with what's exciting you the most at the time. I guess so. And incidentally, it's 450 miles drive to Memphis. Ugh. That'd be 
and most of it would be on I-30 and then connect I-40 and into Memphis. Yeah. So I guess it's that, that's not that convenient. <laughs> Six and a half hour drive. Uh, not as, not so much. But. That may be one of my con visits next year. Hey, you know, we, we had uh, Martin reveal, reveal us in his antics at the wedding. Maybe we should talk about a little bit of ours. There's not much different except like we showed up in, well, I guess we can't say the town. We showed up there that afternoon. It was kind of like, wow, is there anywhere to eat? We found someplace. But it was hilarious when we walked in and we got that classic. Everybody turned and looked at us and gave us that you're not from around here look. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm, it's some interlopers in here in town. Yeah, I could have dropped in into Redneck and they would have accepted me. Yeah. Well, I could too. Both see, <laughs> both my wife and I are from small East Texas. Well, I'm not not that small. She's from, yeah, <laughs> from the sticks. But, uh, yeah, we stopped. At, I forgot the name of it. There was We stopped there to, at a restaurant that Ronnie has mentioned a couple times. And they were closed. I guess they were only open for dinner, so. Yep. Then we went there, yeah. Because I guess we didn't, yeah, because we had no idea if we were gonna, uh, you know, how the wedding was gonna go and everything like that. But no, that was it was it was good. It was a fun time. Yes, it was. See everybody, we got to all meet in person, Aaron, for the first time. Yep, yep, yep. I think well, maybe Martin had seen Aaron. I don't know. He met him face to face, but well, Dewan had because he'd gone to NYCC well, Comic Con yeah, a couple of years ago. I forgot about that. But. Yep. So, so that was that. But then the next day, we decided to go back to St. Louis via the scenic route. Yes, we did. So I took you down to Herman, and which was all right except for our service where we ate because we wanted to go back and get some sausages. And what did you think about the sausage place? Maybe you got to describe the sausages. It was sausage nirvana, I guess you might say. Every conceivable amount of sausage there. Oh, and not little sausages. No, no. I mean, yeah. So, so for those that don't know, Central Missouri was settled by German immigrants way back in the day, and actually, right before Prohibition, Central Missouri was a bigger wine producer than California. Actually, I think it was the one of the largest wine producers in the U.S. But Prohibition kind of ended that, and they never really recovered and everything. So. But Herman was settled by German immigrants, and you can you can vastly see that. And if you go through the the antique shops there, you can array, you can you can sometimes run across uh, these shops that have quite a bit of memorabilia from uh, Nazi Germany. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so that's that's always interesting. Uh, but anywho's, but yes. So there is a big. Uh, they have like hunting lodges. Like German, German. Actually, that's where we went. We went to a drinking hall for lunch, did we not? Yes. I've, or a beer hall, or whatever you call it, dining yeah. hall. Beer garden, I guess. Yep, I, yep, yeah. But first place we went was the sausages, because I knew you wanted to see the sausages. Yes, and they were good. Of course, I was equally impressed with that sauerkraut. They had. I didn't get any. I should have. Um, but yes, we yes. went there and we walked on. Huh. And we ended up eating someplace, and our intent was to go back to the sausage place and get some to grill out that night when we got back to yep. St. Louis. And they closed at 2 o'clock on a Sunday. Yep, and if we hadn't been waiting for our bill at the or checks from the restaurant for the last, I don't know. Well, no, actually it was like your wife and I got cobbler, and it took like 45 minutes to get the cobbler. Right. 
Yes. And if, if that had, if we'd gotten that and gotten out of there, we could have had our sausages that we could have grilled that night. But say like, but it was funny because I couldn't understand why they closed at two o'clock because there was a, a mass of people, and we weren't the only ones standing there staring at the locked door. It's like they, they could have done a quite a bit more business had they stayed open. But yep, yeah. So we were denied, but I'm I'm sure Nick would like appreciate more. To, so do you remember all the sausages we saw? No, I mean, there was, well, of course, there was bratwurst of every conceivable variety. Right, you know, just a standard bratwurst. And there was some that was, you know, all kinds of different seasonings and flavorings. I don't remember the names of them particularly, but it's like, yeah, it's like you could have any kind of bratwurst. And they had something that they were calling a type of bologna. That looked exactly like salami to me. I mean, it was, yeah, I didn't understand that either. It was not like any bologna I've ever seen. But and so no, I can't remember the specifics types, but there was yeah, any kind of sausage you wanted. Yeah, but they had blood sausage. Uh, ooh, do you remember seeing the liver dumplings? Yes. Ah, uh, <laughs> I'm not a big liver guy, but I was, I would really want to you know get some of those too. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm on their website trying to sit here. I think this is the place. I'm trying to sit here and was it was it Stiglmeyer sausage? That sounds like it could be right. I, I'm like on their website trying to figure out all the the the, the list of stuff, but uh, I don't know. It's just a beautiful place. Yes, it was, and I mean, all of Herman was very quaint and. Of course, you know, my mother's family is, ancestry is in German, Germany from many years ago. So I had fondness of that cuisine. But yeah. It's, ooh. ooh, I was just on their website. And you know, you can order a grilling feast pack. That's what we would have probably got. So you get one pound of each, a bratwurst, a Weisswurst, a Nuremberger bratwurst, a Thuringer, which is a smoked bratwurst. Right. A De, I'm totally mispronouncing these. The Bresener. And a kilometer, which is a smoked, spicy Hungarian lynx. But you also get sauerkraut, sweet mustard, and hot mustard to complement them. Oh, nice. And it's seven, seven pounds of sausage. Oh, gosh. Oh. I could, yeah, I could eat sausage three meals a day until I dropped dead, which wouldn't take very long eating that much sausage. Mm-hmm. But... Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, and this, the specialties they had was onion fat, soles, solzy, S-U-L-Z, which it looks like that's some kind of head cheese. Liver dumplings, solzy cotelette, ring bologna, or ring bologna, bread dumplings, crackling fat, the varying ham sausage. Ooh, that looks good. Schwein and Schweinbach, Nürnberger, Stadtwurst, and goose fat. You can just buy straight up goose fat. Yes. A lot of people do. Oh. Wow. All I know is, well, I don't know if we're going back to Hermann. You know, I may have to go back to Herman before Thanksgiving. Mm. Uh, your wife was saying you're going to have to. to, get to no, 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 no. We're going back to the sec- next place we stopped at. So, oh yeah. So first, first we first we went to Herman. All right, and we didn't get to see as much of it as I wanted to, but hey, you know, you got to experience it. So it's it's and when it, they they could properly throw an Oktoberfest. But anyway, so then we kind of went along the Katy Trail, along the Missouri River, and then we stopped in New Haven, Missouri, the home of Pickney Bend. 
And why did we stop at Pickney Bend? Because they make gin. Gin. And they, ha- and they have gin flights. Yes. They also make whiskey out of um, heritage, oh, heirloom, heirloom corn. So, but I'll let you talk about the, the, the gin and I can talk about the whiskey a little bit. Well, the gin was uh, sublime. Sublime, yes. And they had very, you know, they had a kind of a more of a standard type gin, but they also had gin that they aged in bourbon barrels after the bourbon has been extracted. So you get this interesting amalgam of flavors of gin. You know, you have the the taste of the juniper and the berries, and then you sort of have this smoky undertone that comes from the bourbon. They had another that they aged in uh, brandy barrels after they had been, you know. And so, yeah, they had a gin flight. It was like $5, and you got sample all these different gins. And they make a tonic syrup that they sell for their, for their version of a gin and tonic. That was just absolutely magnificent. And I don't like gin and tonic at all, at all. But I could have these all the time. Yeah, I did confirm that um, they are. It is sitting on the shelf of my grocery stores around here now that I know what to look for. Right. The the, the tonic. Oh yeah, and, they, and it's a pink tonic because that because then back in prohibition or was it pre prohibition or was it during prohibition they wouldn't look at you if you were drinking a pink drink. Yeah. <laughs> That was it. Yeah, and it was interesting because they have this, and we bought we bought some of that, and we bought their navy, what they call their na- navy strength. Yeah, navy strength drown, gin. And they explained why they call it navy strength, and it had to do with old days in the British Navy when they would get gin. Well, that was part of their payment. Payment, payment, and but the sailors were always suspicious that it was a low quality or very low uh, alcohol content. So they would sprinkle gunpowder on top of this, a little bit of gunpowder on top of the gin and light it. And after the gunpowder had burned, you had to see if it continued to flame. And as was explained to me, any alcoholic beverage has to be a proof of 101 or more to maintain a flame. So they would put the, the... Sprinkle the gunpowder and light it. After the gunpowder burned, if the flame went out, they knew that it was poor quality gin. If it kept burning, they knew it was the good stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. But what, what got me is, so I'm not the biggest gin drinker. My wife is, and apparently you are. And they they asked her, so we were we were getting to the point where we were doing some of that, and they told her that she needed to drink this that Navy Strength gin straight on the rocks, and she made a face because. She's gin and tonic, but they got it to her. She tried it, and she loved it. I tried it, and it's like, that stuff is great straight. I know, and you would not think so because it's 110 proof, I believe. And 114. 114. So, yeah, we think it, it'd be like drinking, you know. Well, it's straight gin also. Yeah, I know. And it's like I've never liked the taste of this straight gin. I've had gin, but I've always had to mix it. But this stuff, whoo. But anyway. Is it so? Have you drank it? Have you got any of that gin and tonic left, or you already? Oh, I've got plenty left. I've, I've had two or three, uh, three, four times since I've been back. So. 
So that's where my that's where Ann said we needed to go before Thanksgiving because my in laws are coming for to us for Thanksgiving and they're big gin drinkers. So right. we're gonna have to go stock up again. Yes, and, and maybe we'll go on to Herman a little bit. I don't know. So that was that. But then I wanted to go there because I'd heard about the heirloom whiskey or heirloom corn. So ninety nine percent of the corn made now in the U S. is I think it's Denton Denton corn. So it's that straight up corn. It's out there. It's industrialized. It, you know, everybody's all afraid about uh, GMO corn, but you know, this is corn that was um, developed or whatever to be high yield, sweet, and everything like that. So that's everything that's out there. And most of your uh, distilled spirits from corn are made from this. So uh, there's no differentiation. Well. You know, and I think this came about like either the late 1800s, early 1900s, blah, blah, blah. So, but before that, you had local strands or local varieties. And that's what gave some of the whiskeys back in the day their distinct, or uh, bourbons, their distinctive flavor was the corn that was the regional corn. So, Pickney Ben has got where they've got, they get some of these heirloom corn uh, from local farmers and all that, and they make their whiskey out of that. So, the current one they've got, they make out of, the farmer is growing the corn just for the cobs because he makes corn cob pipes. So they buy the kernels off of him because he's only interested in the cobs. So they do this, and it gives since uh, the definition of a bourbon is it has to be 51% corn, you know, and it it definitely changes the flavor. And a lot of these places do flavor by you know how what kind of barrels they use or how much they char it, you know, and after it's been sitting in a a uh, charred oak barrel for 10 years or however many years, and they put it in a sherry barrel for a, six months or a year to finish and get some of the flavor. So they're doing all this stuff with the barrels to get flavor. They're doing stuff with temperatures, and you know, there's one company that puts stuff on boats and sails them around the world because the rocking motion gets it more and it pulls more flavors out of the wood and everything and all that. But you know, this is the first you know when I was reading about this place, and they're the only ones I know of that go to the corn and try to do different varieties of corn to get different flavors so they let me you know we sampled some of that and i sampled some from their uh heirloom that they did two or three years ago that was just oh out of this world so now i'm all into the heirloom corn whiskeys and but the only place i know that does is this place so i gotta keep an eye on what they release and everything like that so that's why i wanted to stop by i knew you were gin and and they were bigger gin distillers than they are whiskey but so so a good time was had, and the proprietor and the the guys there working that day were just great. Yes, I think they had been sampling some of their wares too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were very excited to see us there. And, uh, well, you know, I think we were educated drinkers or educated gin drinkers and educated whiskey drinkers, so they liked talking shop yeah. to somebody that to people that appreciated it. Yeah, because I was. I was doing that flight and I, one of the gens I said, you know, I thought, Oh, this would make a good, I could use this to make a good gimlet. And he was immediately. Yes, exactly. That'd be the perfect one for him. So yeah, they knew that we knew something about good alcohol. That we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So, so that was the second stop. And I don't think we really stopped anywhere after that. No, we stopped and let my wife go to the bathroom. So, well, yeah, well, there, there's always those stops. <laughs> so yeah, we made it back. Well, we tried to stop to that one place, but it was so crowded. Apparently, there was a live. Oh, we were going to one of the. Yeah, it was. It was like one of the, one of the vineyards that was up on the bluff that gives you a good view of the Missouri. 
So, you know, like I said, there's a lot of vineyards now in central Missouri. Um, and a lot of them are on the bluffs overlooking the, the Missouri River. So they're up high and you can see all that. So we're just going to go up there to take a look at the view. But yes, a lot of them have live music on Sundays. So <laughs> they're crowded with everybody going there. Now, the only and I guess we, we've talked about it, the only thing I want to touch on about the Missouri wineries is the most of the ones I've been to, they use a Norton grape. And for nobody that's drank a Norton grape, um, for me, the wine tastes like Welch's grape juice. Now, it's alcoholic Welch's grape juice, but that's that's what a Norton is. It, it's got that that rich, sweet, just grapefruit taste or grape taste. So not quite what I want in a wine, but it's. No, to each his own. I've not had any, I think, Missouri wine, at least not in many years. So. Yeah, but I guess this is the time of year everybody's going out there because the leaves are changing. So I think they were just starting to change when we were that weekend. So, right. so that's when all the festivities are getting started up. So now it's probably in full swing. The weather's gotten cool. Uh, the leaves are changing. It's just nice to be outside. Right. You know, you got the fire pit going, you got live music, you got wine. Hey, it's a good time. Just don't fall off the bluff. Yes, exactly. No, it was quite enjoyable. That was a quite nice leisurely trip back. I think minus not getting the sausages, but that's. Yeah, I know. You can imagine. Yeah, we were planning on having sausages and lots of gin and tonic that night. Because <laughs> we did have the gin and tonics. Yes, we did. Anyway. Uh, so what else have you going on? I think I think I've kind of hogged most of the conversation tonight. Not, I mean, not much is going on here. Like I say, it's just been not as far as collecting. I think the only things I've gotten recently are some hardcover. I got some of those Marvel Masterwork books. Oh, I found some on I found an eBay that was guy had a number of them, and he would combine shipping, and they were pretty reasonable. I got them for like twenty bucks a piece. I got the Volume 1 for Daredevil, Volume 1, Fantastic Four, Volume 1, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And they were like less than $20 each. I, nothing, I know some of those first printings of those can go for big bucks now yeah. from several years back. These weren't first printings, but they were all still cellophane wrapped. So mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily you know, buying them for collectability other than more so just reading. So. Ah, yeah, of course. Man, between everything that's on TV and that I want to watch and all the reading I need to do and everything like that, I'm just finding I'm not having enough hours in a day. <laughs> no, because you got to be, uh, you know, making sure that you've got organized the next Tennessee watching party. Uh, eh, I've already got that organized for next week, so. The problem is they're getting they're doing night games now all of a sudden. Used to be we didn't get night games, and all of a sudden everything's a night game. I don't know. I guess, you know, just to kind of get on to that. So is, is prime time for college football, is that more afternoon or evening? Because I know when CBS, CBS does their prime time game, they get first pick of any SEC game, but it's always like the 3.30 or the 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern game. So that's like prime time for them for some reason. That, yeah, the afternoon game, I, I think in order of preference, what they would like as far as getting television ratings. I'm like, number one would be the afternoon game. Okay. Number two would be at night because, well, number one, there's fewer games at night, but still, you now you're competing with other things. Mm-hmm. 
And I know the one that they don't like are the 11 a.m. starts. <laughs> uh, West Coast. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, you just don't. Well, it's not going to end till 1 o'clock in the morning. No, no. I'm 11 a.m. Oh, 11 a.m. Oh, the, the early game. The early, the first, usually they do two games a day. You know, like for, a lot of games will start at 11. And they'll be broadcast on TV. Mm-hmm. But they're the early games when that's considered a bad time slot because they figure either people are all up doing their Saturday morning chores or taking kids somewhere and they're not really available to watch football until the afternoon. Yeah, I guess. But who saves all their chores for Saturday? I don't know. Some people, apparently. Oh. I kind of like to get them done during the course of the week. I do as much as I can, yeah. So are you going to get in on that $450,000 Neil Adams original Batman art, cover art? Ooh, no, I think I'm going to pass that. <laughs> okay, well, I immediately I got, thought of you when I saw that. Okay, I got a bunch of, I got, a, I can buy a bunch of comics for that and pulps. Right. <laughs> yeah, I got to decide what I want to do with this whole pulp thing. Hmm. Yes. I got to start deciding, start making some definite decisions on C2E2. Decisions on what? Um, going or not? No, getting a place. I think we all pretty much know who's going, but now we gotta. Oh Our... yeah, we gotta do all that. Yep. Now I guess you and I are gonna head up a head up a day early so we can go up to Wisconsin on Thursday. Yes, yes. we're gonna invade Oconomowoc on Thursday. You know, I was reading a comic today, and they were they, and uh, it part of it was set there. Hmm. I think it was a DC comic of one of them I was reading. No, you know what it was? No, no, no. It was an aftershock. I think it was Dark Red. I think this is, this month's issue of Dark Red, and the issue seven or eight is they're driving, they're trying to get to Chicago, and the main protagonist and his thrall stop stop there at a at a convenience store to get something. And they didn't like, go. To, they didn't go to Cowabunga too. No, apparently not. Oh, that's peasants. <laughs> that's funny. I still can't pronounce it, but mm. I just you say it, if you say it fast enough, then it doesn't matter. You know, I kind of walk. You just kind of blurt it out. Nobody. It just, and this kind of rolls off the tongue and out, and everybody understands what you're talking about. Or they think that you know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Well, I can go with that. If you say anything fast enough, people think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> but anyway, I mean that's all about I all I had for this. No, oh, is it? Oh, come on. you got to have more. We haven't talked in like three or four weeks. Okay. I'm really at a blank right now. Ah, it's just kind of performing under pressure. Yes. Yeah, but I'm, I'm interested to see how this new format goes and how people react to it. That's what I'm... Yeah, we talked some comics and we talked some other stuff. Yes. I would like, I know I've asked before, but I would like to get some feedback from people on Twitter. You know, what you like, what you don't like. Certainly any suggestions of things you want to hear us talk about that we might find interesting. Yep. yep. And I'm going to try to keep up during the week of interesting stuff that, or stuff that I read or see that I find deeply fascinating. Well, yes, I will too. That's sort of incumbent upon us to do that. So, well, I guess with that, we can call it an evening. Yes. You've been listening to 
the new Best of the Rest, Best of the Rest 2.0, or Best of the Rest, the next generation. Or or best, of the, best of the Rest Linux version? <laughs> Not your father's Best of the Rest. <laughs> I'm Jay Loving. You can reach me on Twitter at JayForgets. And I'm Dennis Chandler, and I'm at UT Engineer, or Oot Inger. Or you can tweet the show directly at BOTR Comics. Stop. <laughs>